0: Tomorrow, people all over our great nation are going to assemble, and many will turn a Memorial Day into an outdoor barbecue, or a beach trip, or whatever form of relaxation and enjoyment tomorrow will bring, but my prayer is that all of those things, none of them are bad in and of themselves, obviously, but our hearts still, most importantly, will be Sensitive and mindful of the fact that men and women of our great nation walked away from family, walked away from comfort, walked away from all the things that many obviously would even look forward to as far as their future is concerned. And they went and they served our nation. And not only did they serve our nation, but the sacrifice that they gave and what they invested in, knowing That the mission was worth it all and that was to ultimately defend and protect our freedom and uh, i just want to say today as we are mindful of that as a church as we're honoring and respecting those who have given so much those who have gone before so that we could enjoy what we have so that we can go have barbecues so that we can have church services so that we can enjoy the freedom that we often take for granted as a nation I'm grateful for those men and for those women who have paid the ultimate price. And so we're mindful of that, and today we honor them, and we show our highest and our deepest respects. Amen? Well, today we are uh, beginning a new series that I'm really excited about. And uh, it's really going to be a simple one, but yet a very important one. You know, sometimes it's it's easy to overcomplicate things in life. Have you ever, have you ever tried to do something and you thought, you know, it was going to be easy and it should have been easy and it could have been easy, but for whatever reason we got involved in the process and it became more and more complicated. <laughs> we have a tendency sometimes to do that. And so as a result, we're going to do something in this series and we're calling it Four Choices. Okay, Four Choices. And these four choices are very, very important, and yet at the same time, they're very simple. But they're very important. And here's the thing. We're going to learn over the coming weeks, in these four specific weeks, we're going to learn how to turn good intentions into wise decisions. Now, there are obviously more than just four things. In fact, we could be here all day and talk about all of the important and wise decisions we could make. Okay, But at the same time, I'm going to spend specifically four weeks talking about four specific things choices that I think are important to all of us especially when it comes to growing and developing in our faith and I just want to begin by asking you a question if you were just to pause for a moment you look back on your life and I realize for some of us we've been around maybe a little longer than others Some of us are on the front end of life. Some of us are in the mid season, the halftime part of our lives. Some of us are maybe at a later stage in the game of life than others. But regardless of where you are at this stage or season in your life, let me ask you a question. When you think about your life, when you look back upon your life, what is the best decision you've ever made? Think about that. What is the best decision? you've ever made. You want to know mine? In fact, it's the second best decision I ever made. You don't know the first decision? First decision, best decision I ever made was when I was 18 years of age and I put my faith and I put my trust in Jesus Christ to be my Lord and Savior. That's by far, hands down, the single greatest, best decision I've ever made in my entire life. However, the second best is coming up on Wednesday that I get to celebrate the second best decision I ever made you know what that is 31 years of marriage come on somebody so yes 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 (laughs) yes Wednesday Michelle and I are going to be celebrating 31 years of marriage without question the best decision I ever made and um man alive i'm so thankful that she asked me to marry her and uh and i'm so thankful i said yes to that no just kidding just kidding but no seriously uh you know i've probably told you guys i'll cut to the chase here but we were set up on a blind date so blind dates actually work and also biblical dates actually work you say what do you mean you, you there's actually such a thing as a biblical date absolutely we were set up on a blind date by our parents that's the way they did it back in the day the in the old testament in biblical times parents arranged marriage man we ought to get back to that that'd be good in fact we've been trying to help my son luke out he's uh he's single he's taking resumes and luke if you're watching i'm just trying to help you out here but uh but anyway we've been stalking uh a girl on instagram and she moved from California. I, oh, I pro- oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't go that far in detail. Ooh. But anyway, uh, great girl. And we're praying that maybe just somehow, some way, you never know. You never know. But all the pieces seem to be coming together. So it's pretty cool. But anyway, yeah, I'll get a, I'll get a phone call later this afternoon. Dad, what in the world? So anyway, you know, there are a lot of decisions that we can make in life, Right? And I'm sure, if you're anything like me, we also have the flip side of that coin where we've made a lot of dumb, what in the world were you thinking kind of decisions? Anybody ever made those before? We've all made those dumb, what in the world was I thinking kind of a decision? So, you know, when you think about it, there's a lot that's hanging in the balance when it comes to choices in life and sometimes we know that we should make certain decisions in other words we have good intentions but for whatever reason whether it's through procrastination whether it's by not having enough information or perhaps maybe it's just a fear of the unknown or whatever it is maybe we avoid making certain decisions and therefore we had good intentions but we never make good on those decisions well today I'm going to talk ...with you on the subject that you've already been hearing a little bit about as it relates to the subject of baptism. Now, did you know that it is the first, baptism was the first public decision that Jesus made when it came to his public ministry of sharing the good news that he, as the Messiah, had come into the world to seek and to save that which was lost and to rescue people like you and me, to point the way so that through his death, through his burial, and through his resurrection, we can have forgiveness, we can have salvation, we can have new life and new hope, and an eternal promise in a home called heaven. And so with that, think about it. Jesus began that process with a choice, with a decision, and that decision was to be water-baptized. Now, it's interesting when you think about that decision that Jesus made and the timing of that decision, because at the time, in many ways, the world was relatively in a time of peace because the Roman Empire pretty much had control and rule over the known world. And as a result through biblical history when you think about the old testament you know you have the book of of malachi which happens to be the last book of the old testament and the and then basically there is a there is a period of silence that takes place in other words there was not a prophetic voice that had come on the scene you know prior to that there had been multiple prophetic voices that in other words voices that God used people whom God used as prophets to announce what God's message was at that time at that, at that given juncture in in history God used prophets of age to help mobilize the people and to help proclaim the message that he wanted them to understand in order to bring about change and to ultimately move people towards God's plan and purpose and yet after Malachi there is a period of 400 years that basically just goes dark it's silent there's no voice there's no representation there's no prophet until John the Baptist shows up on the scene and the prophet Isaiah actually said there was going to be a messenger a herald somebody who basically a well, herald at the time in the Roman Empire was someone who would come and make a public announcement In other words, it would be kind of like putting out on the headlines of the local newspaper or in today's world, you know, in the digital world, you know, it would be all over the the news feeds. And so as a result, a herald would come and they would pronounce something that was to follow. They were basically making a public announcement about a specific situation that was happening or perhaps someone of great power and prominence that was coming into the city. Well, John the Baptist happened to be that one, to come as a herald, to come as a messenger, and to come to proclaim and announce the coming Messiah. And so as a result, John the Baptist, he was an amazing guy. He was this profound, prophetic voice that was missing, and he shows up on the scene. And he was uniquely different than all of the other voices of religion, because they were, you know, known as, you know, the, the, the Pharisees and the religious leaders. They were powerful, but at the same time, they were extremely politically, excuse me, political and extremely religious. And so here you have this situation where you have these religious scholars and the religious elite and, and those who in many ways politically were trying to, you know, adhere to the Roman Empire. So you have all of these things going on john the baptist he's a renegade he's hanging out in the wilderness this guy the bible says he dressed in camel's hair clothing he he he, you know he ate wild locusts and honey you know as a scooby snack and so here he was you know out here proclaiming this message that Someone is about to come, and his name is Jesus, the Messiah, and he's going going to come and to save the world from their sins. This message had been preached over and over, year after year, decade after de- decade, generation after generation. And one day, John the Baptist, he is out baptizing people. He was, he was baptizing people with, through this message. And what the purpose of his baptism was, is he was baptizing not only Jews who were converting to this message of the coming Messiah, but he was also converting the non-Jews, the Gentiles, and they were embracing this message. And he kept saying, someone greater than I is coming. He's coming. And one day as he's baptizing, John the Baptist sees the Messiah across the Jordan. And we're going to pick up the verse in Mark chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. One day Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee... And he was baptized by John in the Jordan River. Have you ever wondered why John was called John the Baptist? Why not John the Methodist? Or John the Assemblies of God? Or John the Nazarene? Or John the the fill-in-the-blank, whatever denominational title it might be. You know what I'm saying? Why John the Baptist? Was he actually a Baptist? No, not in the sense of what we would associate as Baptist, But where John the Baptist got his name was he was known, he was labeled, he was branded, if you will, as John the Baptizer. He was the guy who was baptizing those with the message that he was proclaiming. And so we go on to say, it goes on to say, and he was baptized, Jesus was baptized by John in the Jordan River. And when Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens split open and the Holy Spirit descending like a dove on him. And the voice came from heaven saying, you are my beloved son and I am fully pleased with you. You know, that is perhaps the only place in the entire Bible where you see God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit show up at the same time. You have the voice of God, you have the person of God in the form of Jesus, and you have the Holy Spirit of God in the form of the Holy Spirit descending upon God the Son. Isn't that amazing? And so what did Jesus continued to say later in his public ministry after he was baptized. And by the way, why was he baptized? He was baptized to simply not only declare publicly what he had come to do, but he he was also baptized because he wanted to align himself With the message that John the Baptist was already proclaiming. He was giving authority and giving validity to his message. And what he was also saying is that I am the very fulfillment of the message that John the Baptist had been giving. So here he was when John the Baptist said, behold the Lamb of God. He was saying, there he is. And when jesus stepped into the water he was affirming john that i am the very fulfillment of everything you have been preaching about and in that moment god's authority spoke god's authority affirmed and god's authority was made public through the son that he called my beloved son in whom i am well pleased isn't that incredible it was an incredible moment that God the Father marked for everyone to see, but it was also the beginning of a public ministry that Jesus went on to fulfill. And then Jesus, shortly before he was ascended back to the Father into heaven, he gathered his closest companions, his disciples and his followers, and he said these words, and these words that he gave to them are the same words that he's given to you and me. And he said in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, he said, Jesus speaking here, he said, God authorized and commanded me to commission you. He said, go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life, marking them by baptism in the the threefold name, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, just like we witnessed through John the Baptist here a few moments ago in Mark chapter 1. Then instruct them in the practice of all that I've commanded you. And notice, I will be with you as you do this day after day, right up to the end of the age. And how will he be with us? Through the power and through the indwelling of the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So think about this. This is huge. This is huge. So why is baptism a big deal? Well, we're going to unpack that. I'm going to answer that question because there are three lessons about getting baptized that I think are extremely important for us to understand. In other words, I'm going to help you understand what baptism is, and I'm going to help you understand what baptism isn't so that we can make a wise decision, make a wise choice when it comes to one of the most important choices we could ever make as a believer in Jesus Christ. So, number one, if you take taking notes, and that is this we're gonna look at the meaning of baptism. Because in Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus said these words He said, If anyone acknowledges me public, publicly here on earth, I will openly acknowledge that person before my Father in heaven. But if anyone denies me here on earth, I will deny that person before my Father in heaven in other words jesus is simply saying hey if for whatever reason you are afraid to publicly declare your allegiance your commitment your faithfulness your loyal loyalty to me in other words if you are ashamed of me jesus said then i'm going to be ashamed of you when you stand before my father You see, giving our lives to Jesus Christ is nothing to be ashamed of. It's something to be proud of. You know, salvation might be, listen to this, personal, but it's not private. Did you hear that? It's personal, but it's not private. In other words, God wants us to declare that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And to do so with confidence and to do so with with pride, knowing what Jesus Christ has done for us. You know, my wife Michelle and I, as I stated a few moments ago, we're going to be celebrating on Wednesday our 31st wedding anniversary. And when we uh, were married on June 1st, 1991, back in the day, back in the day, man, that's when... I was rocking the ruffles, you know, back, man, back in the day they they got tuxedos, you know, you had the you had the ruffles. How many of you know what ruffles are? man I had the ruffles, and man, it, it was awesome. Had the patent leather shoes. man, I was rocking it. But here's the deal. I stood across from my wife, and man, she looked amazing. Here she was. she had her, beautiful wedding gown, you know, that long train, and here I am on the other side, man, I, she looked like a, a dove, I looked like a penguin, and, uh, and so here we were standing across from each other, and her dad was in the middle, so he was the officiant, he was, he was the one who was officiating our wedding, and I'll never forget when he, he uh, had us exchange our vows so we, we, we exchanged our vows. In other words, we made a public declaration of our commitment to each other. And when he told me to say my vows to her, man, he gave me this stern, long look. I mean, it was a penetrating look. It, it felt like it lasted for about 10 minutes. He like stared a hole through me. And then he handed me the ring ...to give the ring to Michelle. And when he gave me the ring and he handed it to me... ...he again stared those i mean, those eyes, just like pierced me. And he was like, don't you even think about... ...doing anything other than honoring this commitment to my daughter. Man, I was a nervous wreck. But I'll never forget. I said my vows. I committed my vows to Michelle... I gave her that wedding wedding ring. I slipped it on her finger. And you know what this wedding band symbolizes? It publicly declares an outward decision that I made, a choice that I made for an inward commitment and covenant that I've made in my heart toward God, with God, and with my wife. Now, this wedding band, in many ways, is symbolic. If I don't wear this wedding band, it doesn't mean that I'm no longer married to my wife Michelle. But at the same time, if I don't wear this wedding band, then it also it also might mean that maybe I'm trying to cover something up. It might mean that I just don't want to make a big deal of it. It might just mean that, you know, I don't want anybody to think that we're just kind of like over the top here in our commitment. No, 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 no. I wear this wedding band because... I want everybody on planet Earth to know that, hey, I am spoken for. Hey, I am committed. Hey, I've made a lifelong covenant with my wife, Michelle. And this wedding band, in many ways, just like it is with salvation, baptism, listen to this, is the wedding band of salvation. It is helping us, just like when we get baptized, it is helping us to publicly declare, I have made a personal decision in my life to put my faith in Jesus Christ, and I am publicly declaring that Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. And so this is very, very important. So here's what baptism is. Baptism is a public declaration of a brand new association. And it really symbolizes, if you will, two things. Number one, it, it helps us to understand what Jesus did for us. So it helps people understand, hey, here's what Jesus has done in me, through me, and for me. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 3 and 4, Christ died for our sins, just as the scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scripture said. So as a result, Jesus died for me. He paid the ultimate price for my sin, just like he did for you. He was buried, just like the Scripture said. He came back to life, just like the Scripture says. And when we are saved and we are publicly baptized, guess what we're doing? We are symbolizing the fact, we are marking that moment by saying, here is what Jesus did for me. It also symbolizes what Jesus, excuse me, what has happened to me. So in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, it says, when we were joined with Christ... Jesus in in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and we were buried with Christ by baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also... May live new lives. Hey, aren't you thankful that after we put our faith and our trust in Jesus Christ and we declare him as Lord and we walk through this process of water baptism by declaring our faith publicly, it not only declares what Jesus did for me, but it also is a testimony of what has happened in my life. Hey, folks, Jesus did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people alive. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? We're not the same anymore because of Jesus. We're new people. we got new lives because we've been forgiven. We've been set free from the bondage of sin. So those are some important things for us to understand when it comes to the meaning of baptism. Number two... Not only is there a a, a purpose for it, but there's also a method behind it. It's the method of baptism. Because one of the things that we learn when it comes to the method of baptism, especially when you read the New Testament, and we look at all the biblical, biblical verses and passages as it relates to baptism, one of the things that stands out, one of the things that's very important for us to understand, is that every time you see the word baptism in the New Testament... It is always, ready for this, it is always through the method of submersion. In other words, that's the Greek word for the word baptize. When you see the word baptize in Greek, it is also referred to as the phrase baptizo, which means to submerge or to dunk, or to submerse. And so as a result... Baptism is important when it comes to the method because every person in the New Testament that was baptized was baptized by immersion. And guess who modeled it first? Jesus made that first choice. He set the example for the rest of us to follow in our own spiritual journey, to be baptized by immersion. Now, that was the common practice for the first 1,200 years of Christianity. But something happened around 200 A.D. There was an offshoot of Christianity that began to emerge. And this is interesting because during this time in history, about 200 A.D., approximately during that time frame, there was a, a faction or a group of people who begin to embrace, if you will, a different belief system and also a different practice when it came to this whole issue of water baptism. And one of those is referred to as the doctrine of original guilt. So, therefore, this group believed that when a baby was born, they were born as a sinner. And because they were born as a sinner, if they died... In that original sin, they would not go to heaven. As babies, if they died, they would not go to heaven. Now, that's not true, but at the same time, that was a belief that they embraced. So, therefore, because of that belief, they introduced something known as the second form of that doctrine, and it's called baptismal regeneration. So therefore, because they believed that if babies died, they would not go to heaven, they felt like it was important for them to be water baptized. But because they started baptizing babies, oftentimes when they submerged those babies underwater, many of those babies died. Many of them baptized babies in water that were extremely frigid temperatures, and therefore they died. As a result, in some places around the the world where there was a scarcity of water, they began to also do something known as sprinkling the children with water. And they baptized, or they sprinkled, if you will, these children on the brow of their head. Why? Because they believed that the brow, if you will, was the seat of one's intellect, as far as their thinking was concerned. So therefore, they started baptizing through the method of sprinkling. And you say, well, Pastor Rodney, why are you getting in all these details? I'm going to tell you the reason why this is important. Because there are many of you that are listening to my voice. Some of you may be watching online today. And maybe you grew up in a situation or grew up in a church or a religion or denomination. And because the church, maybe from your perspective, you know, it was the voice of truth and it was the place of authority, and so therefore, if they practiced sprinkling, if they practiced infant baptism, and that was a form of baptism that you participated in, there's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, chances are, if your parents helped encourage that process, your parents should be commended, because obviously, in their heart of hearts, they wanted what what was best. They wanted to do what was honorable. They wanted to do what was right. But here's the ultimate question, and the question is this. Whose decision was it? Was it the baby's decision, or was it the parent's decision? 100% of the time, when I ask that question to parents, the parents will say, no, it was our decision. And again, you affirm the parents. There's nothing wrong with any of those things. But one of the things that you'll also discover is that these two things, the doctrine of original guilt, And baptismal regeneration are nowhere to be found in the Bible. So what we want to do today is we want to ask the question, have we publicly declared our faith, our personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, have we publicly declared that through water baptism after we have put our faith in Jesus Christ? When I was six years of age, I grew up in a pastor's, in a preacher's home, grew up in church my whole life. Uh, when I was uh, six years of age, I supposedly gave my, my life to Jesus. And to be very honest with you, I, I, I really don't know what I did. I was told that I, uh, two ladies talked to me and I may have prayed some prayer and I, I really don't know what I did or what I prayed. I have no, no clue. But I'll never forget, the very next Sunday, um, I actually went into a, a baptismal pool, a baptistry in the church where I grew up. And I was baptized by the pastor. And all I can remember is that I bat- was baptized, and as far as I'm concerned, I went down dry, and I came up wet, and everybody clapped, and that was it. And for the rest of my years growing up, I went to church, and... You know, I did the things that I thought I was supposed to do to be a so-called good Christian, but I really didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. I didn't know Jesus personally. I didn't really have a hunger for God. I didn't have a hunger for the things of God. I, I didn't really ever spend time reading my Bible. My mind was always somewhere else and my heart was always somewhere else and 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 there was no sense of real conviction of anything in my life when it came to what was right or what was wrong. I was religious, but I didn't have a relationship in my heart. Until I was 18 years of age, and my oldest brother shared his personal testimony. And all I know is that on that night of April 22, 1984... I knew for the first time in my life that there was something missing in my heart. There was a void. And I just remember on that night, April 22nd, 1984, that night as he shared his story, I just knew he had something that I didn't have. And that night, I made my decision to put my faith and to put my trust in the person of Jesus Christ to forgive me and to save me and to come in my life and completely resurrect my dead Spirit that was in me and that's exactly what happened and so that night I tell people all the time I ask God by faith to step out of heaven and step in my heart and that night Jesus Christ saved me so you know what I did I went back to the same church when I was six years of age and I got baptized but this time was different this time, when I went down in the water, I said goodbye to the old life. And when it came up out of that water, I said hello to a brand new life because of what Jesus Christ had done for me and what Jesus had done in me. So the question is, have you ever owned your own faith for yourself? We're not talking about your parents' faith. Not talking about your church's faith. No, I'm talking about your faith. Have you made a personal decision in your heart? make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life because if so the most important thing that we can do is to publicly declare that through water baptism there's one last thing that I want to share and this is so important because one of the things that you see in the New Testament is that every baptism that was done was not only through immersion but it was also through Spontaneity, In other words, there was an immediate response to the call to be baptized. We see it through the Philippian jailer where he was saved, the Bible says, and he was baptized. He and his whole family were baptized after Paul and Silas were able to lead him to Christ and then lead his entire household to faith in Christ. And the Bible says they were all baptized in Acts chapter 16. In Acts chapter 8, there was a eunuch. And this Ethiopian eunuch was riding one day in a carriage and and through this situation, he was actually reading some of the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. He was having a hard time understanding it. And God sent a messenger by the name of Philip and walked alongside. And they began to have a conversation. And this eunuch invited Philip into the carriage with him to explain to him what it was he was reading. And it just so happened to be the gospel presentation through the book of Isaiah, And so in this moment, he said, What hinders me from being baptized? And here's what Philip said. He said, You must believe Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior. And he said, I believe. And the Bible says he ordered the chariot to be stopped. They saw some water, and Philip baptized him right there on the spot. He went down into the water and he came up out of the water just like Jesus went down into the water and he came up out of the water symbolizing it was a foreshadowing of ultimately what Jesus would do and that was to be crucified to be buried and to be raised back to a life I hope this is helping you because I don't know of a more emotionally loaded conversation you can have with people than when you start talking about getting baptized. It can get a little touchy. It can get sensitive. And the reason why it's a little touchy and sensitive for some people is because a lot of people think, well, I don't want to offend my parents. Or I, I don't want to dishonor you know, my, 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 my priest or mi- dishonor my, my church where I was raised. and I, you know, I don't want to do anything that, that, would, that would cause division among some of my family. And I get it. I understand. That's why it's an emotional decision for a lot of people. So what's the motivation? What's the real reason behind being baptized? Well, here it is as we sum it up. In John 14, verse 15, can be summed up in one word. It's simply through the word obedience. That's it. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, if you love me, what did he say? Obey my commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Do you know that getting baptized is not a suggestion, it's not a recommendation. Getting baptized is a command. It's known as the Great Commission and the Great Commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. To go into all the world, making disciples, marking them, baptizing them in the threefold name, Father, Son and Holy Spirit so my question to you is what is keeping you if you've never been baptized by immersion what is keeping you from being baptized or perhaps what is keeping you from getting your baptism in the correct order you say what do you mean a lot of people maybe were baptized as an infant later at some time in their life they realized their need for Christ, and they put their faith in Christ, and so they actually became a follower of Jesus at some other time in their life. But then they've never actually declared him publicly through water baptism. So they were baptized, they were saved, but they haven't publicly declared him as Lord. In the Bible, people hear the gospel, they're saved, and they publicly declare Jesus as Lord through water baptism did you know that Jesus walked 70 miles listen to this 70 miles he walked 70 miles from, from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized why because it was important I did the math This morning, I wanted to double check when I pull into the parking lot here at Lake Nona High School. According to Google Maps, according to the maps there on the iPhone, if you have an iPhone, it is exactly 46 miles, 44 minutes from where I'm standing to Sherrydown Park in Cocoa Beach. Now, have Jesus walked 70 miles from Galilee to, to the Jordan to get baptized? How many of you are willing to go 44 minutes in a car ride to the beach to say, Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. Jesus Christ died for me. Jesus Christ was buried for me. Jesus Christ came back to life for me. And I publicly declare declare that Jesus Christ lives and dwells within my heart. He is my Lord and he is my Savior. And you know what? When we are baptized, we are marking that moment. And we're saying we're not ashamed of Jesus because of who he is and all that he has done for me. I believe June 12th can be a day that can mark your life. And can mark your relationship with the Lord forever. And I want to invite you to take that step. I want to invite you to publicly declare Jesus as Lord of your life through water baptism. Would you join me in prayer today? As we bow our heads and close our eyes for just a moment in prayer. I just want to say that I realize that for many of us in this room, maybe for those of you that are watching online, maybe you've already made that decision in your life and you've already been baptized and I just want to commend you. Some of you, maybe in this room or watching online, maybe you've never actually been baptized you've never publicly declared your faith publicly through water baptism maybe your baptism is out of order and the only prerequisite to getting baptized according to the new testament is by putting our faith and our trust in jesus to having a born-again experience in our heart where we invite jesus christ to be the lord of our lives and i just want to say if that is your need if that's Maybe what's holding you back. You've never made that faith commitment. You've never personally put your faith in Jesus. Can I invite you to do that today? Would you be willing to pray this prayer in your heart after me? You can pray this prayer online and in in, in your heart as well. And I want to invite you just to pray this prayer with me. If that's your need today, to solidify it, to own it once and for all, would you join me in this prayer? Say, dear God, I confess to you that I am a sinner and I turn from my sin. And Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross and you arose again. And today, by faith, I invite you into my life to be my Lord, my Savior. Today, I trust you to change my life from the inside out. There's no one looking. If you prayed that prayer with me in your heart... For the first time, and in your heart, you meant it today. Would you join me? Would you join me? No, head, no, no one's looking around. Just the heads are bowed, and the eyes are closed for just a moment. If you prayed that prayer with me, would you let me know by just holding up your hand high as a testimony saying, Yes, count me in today. Count me in today. I just prayed that prayer. And in my heart, I meant it. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands. We thank you for those who may have prayed that prayer with us online. Lord, we celebrate with them. We celebrate what you're doing in our hearts. We thank you for some here today who maybe have already put their faith in Jesus, but maybe they've never taken that next step to declare Jesus publicly through water baptism. We pray that today that that would be the next step that we take, that we would get our baptism maybe in the right order biblically, and that today we would make that choice to declare Jesus publicly. As Lord of our lives, we pray this in Jesus' mighty name, Amen and Amen. Come on, somebody, let's give God all the glory for those who made those important decisions in their hearts. That's an important choice. And I just want to say that today, if you happen to have prayed that prayer with me, whether you're online or in the house today, I need you to do me something. Do, do me a, a do something. It's very important. Do me a favor. Take the connect card that we have right here just take the connect card I'm gonna give everybody just a second okay because I want everybody to look at me get your connect card so that we can all participate because I'm gonna show you on this connect card down at the very bottom and by the way if you're watching online you can get a digital version of this by just simply typing the words I decided in the chat or you can text I decided to the number 97,000 and for those of you in the room down at the very bottom, I want you to notice there are like four different spaces here at the bottom. At the very end, on the very end of the bottom section here at the front, it has the word baptism with a blank next to it. And today, if you want to be water baptized at the beach, June 12th, I'm going to ask that you take a pen, okay, or pencil, whatever you got there. I'm, I'm going to ask you to just put a check mark there, okay, in just a moment. Our ushers are going to come and we're going to receive our our offering. And you can drop that in the offering container as it comes by. You can also text the words, I decided, to that number there on the screen up here behind me. You can, can, uh, or above me, I should say. So you can text that, I decided, to the number 97,000. And that will shoot you a digital uh, version. But what we want to do is we want to make sure that no one slips through the cracks, because we wanna have an opportunity to get with you, answer questions you have, as you've already heard today. We're gonna have an orientation in just a second. It won't take long, I promise, but if it's something that you want to do on June 12th, to mark that moment, I'm gonna invite you just to join me down here at the front. And uh, I'm also gonna ask that as a parent, if you want to talk through this with some of your children, that we're gonna have an opportunity to answer questions and walk through some of these things with you in life kids as well as michelle carolet will walk through some of those steps with your children i can't think of a cooler thing to 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 participate in than couples or maybe families that want to take this all-important step as well if you've never done that so let's be mindful of what god wants to do amen and let's mark this special special day in our lives and in the life of your family and in your marriage well, let me just say today we're going to continue to worship through giving and uh i want to say thank you for your faithfulness you know we're getting ready to enter into the summer months and uh, you know this is a time of you know many people are going to be taking a break to go see family uh, go see grandparents and maybe take a vacation as a family and and uh you know ministry continues church continues and all of the things that we're doing and planning for Uh, this summer and this fall life just continues to move forward as a church and therefore let's be mindful maybe you want to do something like michelle and i do through recurring giving maybe you want to plan ahead and just make sure that you stay faithful in this area and so let's be mindful of that let's continue to be uh, faithful in all of these areas of our lives as we grow as we develop in these spiritual areas of our lives as well. So let's pray together as we pr- as we give today. Father, we thank you for the privilege we have today to be able to give. We thank you for the opportunity today to be able to worship you. Lord, through giving, God, thank you that we get to sow, that we get to invest in changed lives, that we have the opportunity to take the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and to help it, partners and through organizations that we get to sow and invest into. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to be able to worship you through giving. May you bless the gift. May you bless the giver. May you multiply it in multiple ways, God, to further your purposes. For it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing,